Welcome to the Center Point Pentecostal Church Podcast. We hope that this podcast finds you well and that you are ready for a life-changing message from one of our outstanding and anointed ministers. If you like this podcast, please be sure to give us a follow and a five-star review on your favorite podcasting app. Now let's get to today's message. Amen. Well, look, y'all have been standing, and I'm ready to get right into the Word of the Lord this evening. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Luke, starting in chapter 4. And we're going to be looking at verse... We're going to start in verse 14. Start in verse 14. Sister Cindy, I don't know if I had told you wrong on that one. Um... But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read from verse 14. If you want to just wait to pop up 16, whatever you feel like doing, Sister Cindy. But I'm going to read at verse 14. If you've got it, say amen. Man, before I begin, I just want to give honor to Pastor for allowing us again to be behind this pulpit and to preach to all of you wonderful people this evening. I never take it lightly. Ministry should never be taken lightly. Ministry is fun. Ministry is great. But the whole point of ministry is to do what Jesus did and to seek and to save those which are lost. It's a big burden. But I'm glad to be a part of the kingdom and I'm glad to have ministry. Amen. Amen. Verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. Jesus had just left being tempted in the wilderness by Satan. And as he was going into the synagogues, the scripture tells us that the power of the Spirit was with him. I think it's important to note here that in our lives, no matter where we go, Jesus made it a point to let the Spirit lead him. Whether it was in temptation in the wilderness or whether it was to church, He let the Spirit lead him. Amen. Aren't you glad and thankful that the Spirit leads you this evening? Come on, aren't you glad to be filled with the Holy Ghost if you're filled with the Holy Ghost? Amen. Amen. Verse 16, And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This part of the story always intrigued me because during that time, Anyone who was called to read the prescribed Mosaic reading already, which basically means the instructed, they were instructed what book of the Bible to read out. Jesus was not given, Jesus did not get to choose the book that he was given to read. They chose the book for him. But what's beautiful about this is that regardless of the book Jesus was given, regardless of what was given to Jesus, He found what the people needed in that moment, regardless of the book. He found the scriptures that were needed out of that book 
to the congregation at that time. That congregation was, was not just of normal people. He, he didn't just read anything in that moment. You had the poor. You had the brokenhearted. You had the bruised. You had the oppressed. You had the blind. You had the captives. As the young people would say, Jesus understood the assignment when he was given the book of Isaiah. He didn't just say a bunch of stuff that sounded good for any point in time. No, with the power of the Holy Ghost, he preached the gospel to a hurting and dying world. He gave them what they needed in that moment. Verse 20, and he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. Last verse, 21, and he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Fulfilled. What a powerful world, Brother Dan. I say let this year, center point, let this be the year where our good works and our ministries and our servanthood and our sacrifice be fulfilled by God. And for those who need it. Let us not work in vain, church. We are coming at the end times. The Lord is coming back soon, and there's still a lot of harvest to reap. There's still a lot of work to do, and I don't know about you, but sometimes the ministry is tiring, and sometimes living for God is tiring. But at the end of the day, Sister Tammy, I want to hear that my work has been fulfilled, that your work has been fulfilled by God, that one day, there's going to come a day where we can reap the work that we've been doing, that we can reap the seeds that have been planted out into the harvest. I'm ready for 2024 to be the year where Centerpoint has reaped what they've planted for so long. I'm ready for the revival that has been proclaimed year after year after year to come to fruition here in 2024. All of these empty pews, I'm ready to be filled with hungry sinners who are ready for a new chance at life. I'm ready for backsliders to come home to find their place in the loving arms of Jesus. I'm not, I don't want just the normal mundane service, but I want heaven to rejoice because Sinners have repented at the sight of God. Amen. Amen. So just these next few moments here on this midweek service, I want to preach this simple subject, the meaning of ministry. The meaning of ministry. You can sit your Bibles down and let us go before the Lord one more time in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this evening, God. God, we thank you for allowing us to come into your house with worship and with praise. God, we know nowhere else we're able to come freely unto you, unto your throne room, unto, unto grace and mercy, God, so freely. And we thank you so much for being able to do that. God, we are asking for your word to go forth this evening, Lord God. We are asking for you to do what only you can do. Hallelujah, Lord. Let us draw closer in our relationship with you, God. Let these words speak into our hearts and into our minds. God, let us 
meditate on this word as we are gathered here today. God, whatever need that is here this evening, let it be met by your power, by your boldness, God. Whatever it is, let let it be peace, let it be love. Whatever you see fit, let it be done in this place, Lord God. We believe that we are here with an expectancy for you to do mighty and wonderful things. God, it doesn't matter if it's Wednesday night and it's dreary outside and it's rainy. I've came to have a wonderful time in your presence and in your house, Lord. And I don't want to leave the same way that I came in. I want to leave with confidence and boldness tonight, Lord God, that I've come with a purpose and a mission for your word to go forth. So God, let it be said and let it be done and let us rejoice in your presence. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. That word ministry, it's a buzzword for all of us in the church. It's a word that we have heard time and time again. It's a word that is interchangeable with calling. You you can't have a calling without a ministry and you can't have ministry without God calling you to do something. But, But what's the meaning behind ministry? Why is that word so popular amongst Christendom? amongst the church and amongst this world. A word yet so simple in its biblical denotation is misunderstood or even has a very deep understanding for some in the world's connotation. When the word ministry is said, what pops up in your mind? Is it an image? Is it it an action? Is it a word that pops up like the old memories that you have? What emotion, what feeling do you get when ministry, that word, sprouts up and fills the innermost beings of your mind? I think for us to fully understand what ministry is, we must first start to understand and look at the life of someone that exemplified what it meant to be 100% sold out to the kingdom and that person is none other than Jesus Christ if there's anyone church that we should exemplify in our daily lives and in our ministries it is that of the king of kings and of the lord of lords though we have a decent sized life within the Christmas story of Jesus at birth and somewhat of a small narrative of Jesus as a child and a preteen we really get to a dive into Jesus' life at the start of his earthly ministry. At the age of 30, Jesus was initiated into his earthly ministry. From the start of those initial moments in his ministry, Jesus knew two things for certain. The first was the importance of salvation, and the second was that temptations would come no matter what. He was baptized by John in the Jordan River and he was tempted in the wilderness. In baptism, Jesus is our example of obedience and salvation. When it says Matthew 3 and 15, And Jesus answering said unto them, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. Jesus could have said, no, John, I don't think I need to be baptized. I am God reincarnated in flesh. I don't have to do that. But if Jesus never did get baptized, then he would have never been the one to fulfill all righteousness. 
Jesus simply said, if it pleases the Father, if it pleases God, then let me be obedient to his commandments and what he is requiring of me. Hebrews said it like this, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. If it was good for Jesus' church, surely it must be good for me. Jesus said, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus said, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. But it isn't just the water that helps you find salvation. Jesus said, Very, verily I say unto thee, except you be born of the water and of the spirit, you cannot enter unto the kingdom of God. And if you need a guide for the fullness of salvation, then we look at one of the most popular scriptures in Acts 2.38 when it said, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every single one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and ye shall, not ye may, not ye might, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Jesus walked in salvation. He knew the importance that salvation was needed for the ministry. In temptation, he became an example of resisting temptation. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And it's those moments of temptation and other moments in his earthly ministry that show us that we serve a God church that understands what we go through and understands how we feel. The writer of Hebrews reminds us that we do not have some high priest that we cannot touch with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet he was without sin. We have a God that has felt our infirmities. We have a God that knows what it's like to be tempted to be hurt, to feel grief, to be stressed, to be in pain. And yet he still, knowing all of this, wrapped himself in flesh and decided to fulfill the ministry because he knew the ministry was worth the cost. He knew that nothing brings more satisfaction on earth than to seek and save those that which are lost. It brings us no more joy, church, or I hope you don't get no more excited than when somebody comes and feels the presence of God for the first time in their life. Somebody who's never experienced the baptism of the Holy Ghost, when they get it for the first time and tears wipe down their face and they said, I know it's real. I can feel it. It brings me joy. Come on, somebody. There should be nothing more exciting and worth living on this earth than seeing new people come to the kingdom of God. And so we must understand as Jesus was on earth, the church shall too be that on earth today. 2 Corinthians 5 and 19 and 20 says, To wit that God was in Christ, 
reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and have committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Reconciliation, that's the goal for people who need it. Reconciliation is what this is all about in ministry. Reconciliation simply means the restoration of relationship. From the very beginning of time to Genesis, all God wants from us is a relationship with Him. It doesn't matter how far you have fallen. It doesn't matter how far I have fallen. What matters is if we get back up when we trip and when we fall and say, God, nothing is going to separate me from having a relationship with you. The church should be full of restoration and reconciliation. That is what we were designed to do. Nothing more, nothing less. Now there are different programs and different ways we do that. But that should be the heart of what the church is. Restoration and reconciliation. The church is not a gathering or a museum of Holy Ghost filled people waiting for the second coming of Christ. The church is not just a place where you and I gather for three times a week for a total of no more than six hours. Sing a CD's worth of songs within that week. Hear some words that tickle our ears and make us feel good over and over again until one day we either become stale for the kingdom of God or until Satan decides to kick us out of the church because we got hurt. The church was never meant to be that kind of place. It was never meant to be a place to glorify those who only know an ounce of the glory of God. The church is full of ambassadors of Christ still today and is meant for reconciliation and restoration. The church is where someone's faith finds a home and their heart finds hope. The church is where the power of God is the sermon and the love of God is the hymn. The church is where imperfect people find the perfect God. The church is the sanctuary for the soul where God and grace are the cornerstones. The church is simply a body of believers that must reach out to someone in need. And our job is to touch the physical the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual parts of people's needs. Jesus' ministry. Jesus didn't just do things for fame. Jesus didn't just do things for his name to go all across the world. Jesus ministered to the needs of the whole person. If the church is meant to be the extension of the ministry of Jesus then what we do as a church is meant to minister to the needs of the whole person. 
not just what is popular at the time, not just what may get us more clicks on social media, not just what may give us the most credit, not just the part that looks the prettiest. We are meant to minister to the whole body of a person. If we are the whole body of Christ, then it doesn't matter what the need is that that person has. Our job as the church of the 24th century is to meet that need. I don't care how far off you've been. I don't care what sin keeps you bound. I don't care if it's a shirt, if it's clothes, if it's food, if it's salvation, if it's chains that need to be broke. It does not matter what it is. What matters is that the church is the hands and feet of what Jesus needs. Amen. Is this helping anybody this evening? If we are called to walk and talk the way Jesus walked and talked, should we not be called to minister the way He ministered? If the Spirit of God is at the forefront of our lives and inside us, should we not have a ministry that truly touches other lives? Is it not our desire, one, to be anointed with power from among high to truly minister the world's needs? The authority of God... Church, all of us are called for the ministry. Every single one of us are called to do our part. It doesn't matter if this is your first service here ever in a church or you've been doing this for 50 years. You are called into the ministry. All the qualifications that you need is to stand up and say, God, whatever it is, I will do it. Availability is all that God needs. God doesn't need a pedigree. God doesn't need some kind of fancy last name. God doesn't need to know your bank account, what you give in the offering plate. All God cares about is what you and I are willing to do. And I promise you, no amount of fear, no amount of stress, no amount of doubt that you have in your mind will ever quench the ability and the power of God when you decide that I'm going to do whatever it takes to reach my family. I'm going to do whatever it takes to reach my community. Nothing, not even the gates of hell can stop a made up mind in the child of God in the kingdom that is his amen the authority of God does not come from man the authority of God is not a perfect attendance certificate that you and I may be awarded with for continuously coming to Sunday school. The power of God does not come like a crane game at the fair and that the more times I pay an amount for the game, the better chance I can to receive the anointing of God. No, the power of God comes from God himself. Acts 1 and 8, but you shall receive power from among high after the the Holy Ghost has come upon you. If you want that power of God, just try the Holy Ghost for a little bit. If you've never been baptized in the precious name of Jesus, if you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, let tonight be the best decision that you can ever make in your life. And if you've been baptized, why not get a retouch of His Spirit in this place this evening? We've got time. We've got people who will pray for you. Don't let this chance pass you by. Hallelujah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel. With the members of the book of Acts church, they believed that at any moment that God was coming back to rapture up the church. 
They did whatever it took to reach those that needed to know the power of God. And as the end times are approaching, church, we should do nothing different. It's truly the power of God that converts and changes people of this generation. Fancy words, fancy products, and over-the-top programs can only do so much, but it's the power of God that truly changes somebody. From my personal experience, I can remember the date. I can remember it was a Sunday evening service. And I can remember that I was on the altar. And I remember what it felt like to be touched by God. But I can't tell you what the minister was preaching. I know he preached something that God needed him to preach because it compelled me to come to the altar. But I don't remember a word that man said. But I remember... The goosebumps coming from the bottom of my feet to the top of the head. I remember this unspeakable joy that you truly cannot define when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. I remember chains in my life that had broken from top to bottom. That I felt this sense of freedom and this sense of liberty that no drug, that no alcohol, that no click, that no popularity, that what no cool thing could ever give me. The Holy Ghost was something special. The Holy Ghost was something out of this world and extraordinary because it came from God. Paul said it like this, In my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power. God appointed Jesus of Nazareth. God With the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. We've got to have the anointing of the Spirit if we're going to be everything that God wants us to be. How's that song or how's that Bible verse go? Not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Anointing is not measured by volume, but it's measured by a demonstration and by the power of the Spirit. It's never about how much you and I have, but it's about what are we willing to do with what we have. Newsflash, all of us have the same Holy Ghost. Whether you got it last week, Whether you're, it don't matter what size you are, it does not matter what age you are, it does not matter if you've been 30 years in Pentecost, your Holy Ghost is the same as mine. And that's beautiful. I don't ever want to be stale and stagnant of the God Spirit living inside of me. Church, do you know what is living inside of you? It's the same spirit that when you can't get out of bed, it helps you get out of bed in the mornings when you're not ready to conquer the day. It's the spirit that holds back your tongue when you're ready to say something negative. But God says, no, you don't need to say something negative. I know that person cut you off on the road, but you need to watch your mouth, praise the Lord. That's what the Holy Ghost do. Let me take it a step further. The Holy Ghost breaks generational curses and generational cycles. The Holy Ghost is from among high. It is power that gets you through any situation. The situations will come. The temptations will come. But if you're led by the Spirit, you've got nothing to worry. You've got nothing to stress. God is going to take care of you every step of the way with the anointing of God. 
Come on, the requirement for the Holy Ghost is not like a roller coaster that depends on your height to ride it. The Holy Ghost is not a job opening that requires a certain amount of years of experience to obtain. The Holy Ghost is not awarded to the frequent flyer at the early bird special buffet on Tuesdays. No, the Holy Ghost is for whosoever will repent and whosoever will seek after it. You don't have to worry about nothing. You don't have to worry about what you've done, what sin you've committed. If you truly have repented and forgiven, then God will give you the greatest gift that you can ever receive. So with all that anointing and with all that power of God, it does God, it does the church no good for us to just let it sit. We have to pair it with the word of God. Because he hath anointed me to preach. There are scriptures after scriptures about the Spirit of God being paired with the Bible or with the words of the Lord. Exodus 31 and 3, And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. Ezekiel 37, 14, I will put my Spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it, and performed it. Isaiah 11, 2, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. The Word is that solid foundation upon which all things depend. Isaiah 48, The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the Word of God will stand forever. In other words, heaven and earth shall pass away. But his word, his word shall never pass away. In anything that we do, in everything that we do, from our jobs to, to going to school, to going to the grocery store, to making big financial or family decisions, the word furnishes light in everything, in every direction, because it is a lamp unto my feet and it is a light unto my path. We have to have a foundation in the word of God. We have to stand true to what this says. No watered-down word. The, 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 the ability and the activities and the means of the word may change, but we can never compromise what the Bible says. We can never compromise who we are, church. This world needs 100% authentic Pentecostalism. Come on, if it was good enough for you back in your day, it's still good enough today. I know pills help. I know medications help. But come on, people still need the word of the Lord. They still need that light to guide them in every direction they need. And sometimes they won't get it at a church, but they will get it from you and I. It's like that saying goes, you may be the only Bible that someone will see. You may be the only one. If you work, then you're definitely the only Bible that some people see. There is no firm foundation without the revelation of Jesus Christ. There is no understanding of the rock in which you and I stand on without the word of the Lord. If we're going to be successful in ministry, we have to have the anointing of the Spirit. We have to have an understanding of the word of the Lord. But we also have to have compassion. Time and time again, we see Jesus being moved by compassion. 
Matthew 9, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Matthew 20, 34, Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight. Mark 1, 41, Jesus moved with compassion. Luke 7, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched they were the buyer that they were carrying him on, and the bearer stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. And the dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Jesus' ministry wasn't simply getting rid of sins or helping others. In all of his miracles, healings, and other great feats, there was intentionality in every incident. Jesus never found more delight in denouncing sin than he did in helping the sinners. If he did, it would have never been compassion. Jesus truly did not care how bad of a sin that person committed. What Jesus cared about was not only helping them get rid of their sin, but keeping them from going back to their sin. What is it time and time again we read in the Bible of Jesus' ministry? Get up, go, and sin no more. I'm going to help you get up in the valley that you're in. I'm going to help you get up in the chains that bind you down. I'm going to help you get up in the valley that you're in. But you're not meant to be back in that valley. You're not meant to go back in those chains. You're not meant to go back in what's got you bound. That, that depression is not meant for you to stay in. That oppression is not meant for you to be bounded in. That alcoholism that you have, those addictions to pain medication, to pornography, to whatever it is, shall not bind you down. But what I want to do for you is to break what's got you you bound in sin and release you from that ever again. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it changes and impacts your life for days to come. If you would like to connect with us further, give us a like on Facebook at facebook.com slash Centerpoint Pentecostal Church or just search Centerpoint Pentecostal Church on Facebook. If you would like to join one of our services in person, the service times and address are in the podcast description. Thank you and God bless, and we hope to see you on the next episode.